And welcome to episode seven of the Guns and Yoga podcast. My name is Wendy Hummel. This week, I speak to Rob Sanderson. He's an 18-year law enforcement veteran and founder of the nonprofit organization Swell, which stands for Surf Waves Enjoy Life. Rob founded the organization early last year in the midst of the pandemic, along with a group of like-minded veterans and first responders, in order to fill a void in those communities. That void is options for positive outlets to aid in the processing of cumulative and acute traumas for our nation's heroes to overcome during their career. Rob is offering a unique opportunity for first responders in the Midwest. Rob's collaboration with other nonprofit organizations, such as War Horses for Veterans and the Police Athletic League of Kansas City, demonstrate his heart-centered desire to serve. Rob discusses his own adversity in facing early retirement due to an unforeseen injury and how surfing helped him cope. This realization inspired him to start Swell and share the evidence-based benefits of ocean therapy with other first responders. One of the reasons I created this podcast was to share incredible resources like this one that support the mental health, resilience, healing, and overall well-being of first responders. I'm proud to be affiliated with this organization When this podcast airs, I should be at the tail end of my first surf mission, where I get to share the tools of yoga, mindfulness, and meditation with my fellow first responders. One of my favorite quotes has always been, you can't stop the waves, but you can learn to surf by John Kabat-Zinn. Who knew it would transform from metaphor to reality for me? Enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of the Guns and Yoga podcast. Today's guest is Rob Sanderson. Rob is a retired police sergeant from the Lenexa, Kansas Police Department. He started his career in law enforcement in 2003 with the Harrison County Sheriff's Office in Gulfport, Mississippi. Rob founded the nonprofit organization Swell, which stands for Surf, Waves, Enjoy Life, back in 2020 with a group of like-minded veterans and first responders in order to fill a void in those communities. That void is options for positive outlets to aid in the processing of cumulative and acute traumas of our nation's heroes to overcome in their career. Decompress, disconnect, and reinvigorate. Welcome to the show, Rob. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm really glad you can make it. Um, let's, let's just start from the beginning. Um, you know, one reason that I created this podcast was to provide a platform for first responders like yourself, uh, to share your story since we all have one. I'm a firm believer that sharing stories can create resilience in yourself and others, but it also can give you a way to use your own journey as a means to help others. So why don't you just let us know if you don't mind kind of starting from the beginning, what, what led you to a career in law enforcement to serve? Yeah, so the uh, the original plan was actually to go into the military, and I got hurt um, when I was in my junior year in college. I was going through Marine Corps Officer Candidate School, and then 9-11 rolled by, and I was in my senior year, and I remember my dad calling me um, right after 9-11, and uh, he says, what are you going to do about this? And it was so puzzling because, you know, I'm a college student, you know, just turned 21 years old, and I was like, well, what do you mean, what am I going to do about this? I don't, I don't know anything about terrorism. And so I really, you know, that stuck with me. And I was like, you know what, I think I'm going to be a police officer. And and that's really kind of what 
kicked that off for me was was that echo of what are you going to do about this? And, and that's how I chose to serve. So uh, right after college, I, I joined the um, a program called Police Corps. And Police Corps was a federally funded police academy. It's like six and a half months long. And they um, paid you while you were there. And they also provided tuition reimbursement for your college education or scholarship. So it was a pretty good deal. And the idea was to get... Um, college graduates into local law enforcement. I ended up in Mississippi because they canceled the funding at the Texas Police Corps, and Mississippi was the next uh, academy, and I needed a job. So I was like, I'll go to Mississippi, sure. I'd never even been there before other than to, to maybe drive through on my way to Florida. So that's really what, what kind of started my career in law enforcement. Okay, so you're originally from Texas then, is that right? Well, that's a little bit different story. So I was a Navy rat. So I've lived in, all right, I'm going to rattle this off for you, Florida, Hawaii, California, Virginia, Texas, Alabama, Mississippi, and now Kansas. Wow. You're, you're, I'm, I thought I was bad. I've lived in probably seven or eight states. So we're, we're pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, as a kid, I didn't really like that, but, uh, you know, those skills of moving so often really, um, you know, play well into the careers that we've chosen for sure. Oh yeah. I I would agree with that. So, so tell us a little bit about how you ended up in Kansas. You started your career in Mississippi and what led you from Mississippi to join the Lenexa police department? A little storm called hurricane Katrina came through and, uh, decimated, um, our region. I was on the, the Gulf coast there, obviously Gulfport and, you know, New Orleans got a lot of the, the coverage, but really, uh, Gulfport got hit pretty hard in that whole region. So in the aftermath of Katrina, we worked 48 days straight of 16 hour shifts. And then for six months, we worked five days a week, 12 hour shifts. And so they sent uh, cops from all over the nation to come and help us out. And um, Lenexa, or actually Kansas, sent a a giant contingent of officers. And I started partnering up with the Lenexa guys and getting to know them pretty well. Um, And it seemed like each uh, stick of guys they would send down. They were equally as um, like-minded and, and entertaining. So uh, about nine months after the hurricane, they, they asked me if I wanted a job and I said, yeah, get me out of here. So that's how I moved to the middle of the country. Okay. Interesting. So you had some folks from Kansas that came to help and they kind of recruited you, stole you away, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was a stowaway in the back of their patrol car, essentially. Gotcha. So any regrets moving to Kansas, moving to the Midwest? Uh, I mean, it's hard to say. I, the only regret is that I'm further from the coast, but, you know, I had a worked for a great agency, met a lot of great people. I met my wife, uh, got married, and she's tolerated me now. It's been 10 years. So, um, you know, we got a, got a daughter, and you wouldn't trade any of those experiences for the world, not even to, to live on the beach. Yeah. Well, and congratulations on being married for 10 years. Thanks. <laughs> All the congratulations go to my wife, really. Yeah, that I believe that. <laughs> um, so, did you start to surf when you lived in Mississippi, or had you been doing that growing up? So, I did a little bit growing up, but really, I cut my teeth when I moved to um, Corpus Christi, Texas, in college, and uh, met my buddy Reggie, who helped helped me found Swell, and, and really, he he's the one that brought me into the surf community, and um, that's that's where I really fell in love with it. Was in was in college. So how did you find the time to continue to surf while you were living in Kansas? 
Uh, through the grace of my wife, she allow me, you know, three or four times a year, maybe five times a year to, to make these trips. She knew that they were important to me. Um, and it was just kind of my opportunity to escape and get away. Um, so Reggie, who I'm still friends with is out on the West coast. We would just kind of follow him around wherever he, if he was in San Diego at the time or LA, we would fly out there and he'd have some boards and some wetsuits and we spent a couple days. So. Well, that's great. First of all, that you're, when you say your wife let you, that's really important. Cause one of the things that we talk about on this, on this particular podcast is how important relationships are and working that out with your significant other and letting them know what you need. And that's, that's really good because that's a healthy way to be. Cause obviously that's helped you get through your career is going on those trips. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a, it was a progression, you know, I'm not as most cops aren't the best communicator when it comes to what I need. Mm -hmm. So I think she uh, just recognized that and provided me a little bit of grace. Um, and that's good. And obviously it goes both ways. So hopefully I'm, I'm hoping that, that you reciprocate and let her go do her thing, whatever that is. Yeah, 100 percent. So uh, throughout your career, you were with Lenex and correct me if I'm wrong, 18, 19 years before your retirement. So I was there a little over almost 15. So I had total service of about 18 years. Okay. And you recently retired, correct? correct? Yep. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about your career and um, what led you to your retirement? Yeah. So coming up here, obviously start over in patrol. Uh, so I worked patrol. I was uh, fortunate enough to have an opportunity to work, uh, be one of the first bicycle officers uh, for the the city. And, and that was a lot of fun because you kind of got to forge your own way and made a lot of drug arrests uh, doing that. So was appointed a position with the drug enforcement unit and had an opportunity to work undercover for, for four years, which was a lot of fun. Worked a few cases with DEA and FBI and um, you know, nothing, nothing too crazy, but it was, it was high level for me, you know, especially being in small town Lenexa. So, uh, had a lot of fun doing that, promoted to corporal and then, uh, moved back to patrol to, to seek, um, the sergeant position. Uh, in between there, I, I worked at the Academy for like four months, worked through one class before I got promoted to sergeant. And, uh, from there I ran a shift for about four years. Um, during 2018, uh, we switched to an overvest system, and for whatever reason, that just didn't agree with my thoracic spine. After a few foot pursuits and fights and lifting heavy things, uh, I developed an injury. Originally, I thought it was just a muscular uh, issue, and uh, it didn't quite go away. So I took a position with staff services to where I'd be out of uniform and be at a desk, hoping that maybe I could just kind of heal it up. And it injury persisted, went and got an MRI, found out I had uh, an annular tear and a disc herniation and I've got like four or five uh, discs that are fairly bad uh, degenerative discs, which was causing my pain. So uh, several rounds of rehab and uh, speaking with doctors and surgeons and the decision was um, finally made that uh, I had to, well, uh, once they put us on standby to where, um, you know, with the civil unrest and uh, I knew I wasn't going to be able to get out there and stand on the line and, and deal with some of the, the things that were going on in Kansas City at the time. So I went on light duty and then eventually uh, the decision was made that I had to seek a medical retirement. And what was that like? Because obviously you weren't expecting to probably uh, stop your career when you did or, or retire when you did. Yeah. So that that was rough because, you know, I, I planned on doing at least another 10 years uh, and 
my solution, quite honestly, was to grab my surfboard and I drove 14 and a half hours to the coast and went surfing for three days. Um, I showed up at my buddy's doorstep. He knew something was wrong, but he just opened his door and allowed me to, to crash there and do what I needed to do. And I came home and uh, just tried to deal with it the best I could. Um, I'm not going to say that I have dealt with it well because, you know, you go through the whole dichotomy of anger and then self-loathing. And, um, you know, you, you just got to find ways to continue to serve. And I think really Swell has helped me through this whole process. And I'm still kind of kind of finding my way through it. To this point, you know, and I'm, I'm glad you said that because one of the things that I like to talk about, because I had a, a similar retirement story where I wasn't injured, but I retired before I had planned. And I don't think that I think a lot of times in law enforcement in particular, we have a mindset of staying X amount of years and that's it really having no backup plan. And so uh, I think it's really good that you have figured out a way to still continue to serve. Cause I think with, with our group of people, especially we do this work, people can say what they want, but we want to feel useful in some way. We want to feel like we're contributing. So I think it's wonderful that you've turned that into what you now have with swell. So why don't we, why don't we talk about swell and how you came up with the idea? Sure. Um, you know, living in Kansas city, the only thing worse than not being able to go surfing is being able to go surfing, but not having anybody to go with. So, uh, you know, I started bringing guys with me and teaching them how to surf and, um, maybe 2017 ish, 18, I, I saw, I brought a buddy of mine. He's, you know, the quintessential SWAT guy, right? Just big chiseled dude and, uh, full of, you know, hypervigilance and, and everything that you would picture. If you had to draw a picture of the SWAT commander, it's this dude. And he's a good guy, uh, brought him out there and um, pushed him into a few waves and just kind of saw that just slowly melt away. And when you physically can see somebody change that manner, um, it's it was kind of my aha moment. I'm like, oh, wow, like this is what I've been getting out of this this whole time and didn't realize it. So uh, that really got the wheels turning for me. And then when I came home from that trip, uh, another friend of mine was involved in a, in a shooting and um, he had to go on administrative leave like we do and, you know, comes back a month later and he'd put on like 20 pounds. And he looked like crap and uh, you could tell just the stress is really getting to him. So I, I turned to a, another guy that I had taught to surf and, and said, um, you know, hey, it'd be great if we could maybe raise some funds to to start taking these guys out surfing. And I had recently had some exposure to places like Warhorse for Veterans and Kansas City, Kansas Police Athletic League. So I'd had some nonprofit exposure to where, you know, maybe that played into it as well. And and you may have said this, I apologize, but when, when was that? How long ago was that realization for you? Uh, like 2017, 18, somewhere in there. It was, it was just prior to my injury. Okay. And so in 2020, you officially launch Swell as a nonprofit. Yeah, what a time to start a nonprofit right in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, it was, I think we submitted our paperwork in January uh, 2020, got approved um, sometime in March. And the original plan, honestly, was just to get enough gas money and um, cash together to drive guys to the Gulf Coast to, to take them surfing. And the funny thing is we haven't been to the Gulf Coast yet. We've been flying guys out to California. We've just been been that fortunate. 
Okay. So tell me a little bit, and for those who are listening, who might, their interest maybe has peaked, like, hey, how can, how can I get to go on these trips? Or even more importantly, um, maybe like a decision maker in an agency or an agency leader, um, speak to what the benefits are um, and why you should, you know, maybe give someone some time off to attend one of these retreats or what you might get out of it besides what you've already addressed. And, and if you don't mind, it's kind of a two-part question. Tell tell us what the retreat looks like. I mean, it's it's a four day getaway, for lack of a better word. And how did you pick the location? Yeah. So to start to answer the first part of the question, you know, whether it's surfing or fishing or jogging or cycling or whatever, um, you know, there's a real lack of recognition that that police officers and, and firefighters and veterans that they need this source of uh, positive outlets in their life to where they're not going to surrender to it necessarily and say, hey, I need to go experience nature nature or whatever. Um, so having these programs available and, and, and for lack of better terms, like forcing them to go like rub their nose in it, like you need a break uh, is important. And specifically with surfing, what makes it unique is having a surfing program in the Midwest is you're removing these guys geographically from what's stressing them. Okay. So you take them out of that environment. And not only that, you put them in the middle of the ocean and there's something about the ocean that will provide a little bit of perspective. There's that anxiety of what's beneath me and, and how powerful it is. But also you can't carry your gun out there. You don't have your radio. Your family's not on shore, you know, yelling for you to come in because you've got to you know, tend to the kids, uh, you're just there. And then to be solely focused on a new activity like surfing, uh, is a real exercise in mindfulness and, and just being able to try to conquer your fears. And then that elation of catching your first wave and that accomplishment, um, you know, coupled with being able to go out to a beautiful area, and then incur no debt from it is truly important. So that's kind of the why of the surfing. And and really what I've tried to encapsulate in these trips is what I've always enjoyed about surf trips. And that is the sense of um, kind of brother, sisterhood, adventure. Um, so we try to make it very organic. And we rent a beach house and we've chosen Seal Beach because it's a cool little community just outside of LA. Uh, we've got some, um, a great support system there. Um, BZ and body glove, they let us borrow their demo gear to take guys surfing with the wetsuits and the boards. And then I've got a few, uh, veterans and first responders out there that help us push guys into waves. So it's just a good support system out there in seal beach. And that's just North of Huntington beach, surf city, USA. Um, so really the, the trip's four days. We fly out there and, and put them in a really nice beach house, and it's one block from the beach. Um, and then anything you want to go and do is within walking distance, some really cool restaurants right up and down Main Street. Um, you know, you surf your, your butt off on, on Saturday, eat some good food. Um, now with the addition of uh, people like yourself, we'll be doing a little bit of restorative yoga, a little bit of meditation. Uh, we do family-style meals, so, um, you know, we'll go to Costco and get a bunch of good wholesome foods and then cook it up in the evening. Uh, Wahoo's fish tacos on Sundays brings us a, a big old load of burritos so that we can fuel up there. They're, they're a great group of people there. Um, and then, you know, we have a big event usually on Sunday where we invite all veterans, first responders and their family to come out and join us at the beach, whether that be at Seal Beach or Bolsa Chica State Park. And, and they can come out and learn to surf as well and, and really have that, again, kind of 
brotherhood, sisterhood kind of foundation fellowship out there. And then Monday morning, we wake up at 5 a.m. And, and try to hit it for one more evening glass and then get on a plane and come home. Wow, that's that sounds awesome. Um, and, you know, I really like what what's appealing to me and what I think should hopefully appeal to others is the holistic platform that you're describing. So the focus is is surfing and learning a new skill and, and taking you away from your environment. But I really like how you're incorporating community, peer support, you know, having people, local first, first responders come, the whole idea of providing healthy food, because we think about that too. How often do we just go through a fast food place for, for food and eat like crap? Um, so really like all the things that you mentioned. And of course, um, yoga and meditation is, is kind of like to me what your surfing is to you. So I, I think that's just another added, added benefit, I guess, um, to coming on the retreat. Yeah. Um, you know, that the, the fellowship aspect and the peer support aspects, it's really important. And if you get a group of like-minded people together and, you know, you take them on an adventure and, and, and a stress-free environment, that stuff will kind of, again, organically kind of come out of them and there'll be some discussion. And I'll, and I'll give you an example of our last November trip. We, we'd taken uh, four police officers, two of which were from Sacramento, uh, area in California, and, and one had been uh, shot in the face while on duty. The other uh, assisted to save his life, and and that was 2017. So fast forward to 2020, um, those guys hadn't seen each other since the incident, you know, and it was obviously a traumatic event for both of them. Um, and we were able to reunite them there at the beach house, and they they found. Uh, a love of cooking when we were doing the family style. Well, they didn't find, they both found that they, they shared the love of cooking rather um, together and, and over the grill. I got to witness them reflect on the day that um, Alex was, was shot and, and Mike assisted in saving his life and just kind of hearing their perspective was cathartic for both of them. And really cool to that is both of them are coming uh, out in March with us and you'll meet them just to come cook. So they're coming down on their own dime just to come cook for the group. That's awesome. So when you were telling that story, I just got chills like that. That's powerful. That's, that's kind of what it's all about, right? Yeah. And, and that's, you know, what swell does is we try to identify, you know, missions and, um, purpose to take guys out on. It'd be great to just take, you know, a hundred people out to the coast and do it, but really, you know, we don't necessarily have that reach just yet. So we, we try to find specific events and missions, um, that, you know, acts of heroism or great kindness or uh, tragedy to, to really reinvigorate these guys. So besides Rob Sanderson saying, Hey, surfing is, is really beneficial for all the reasons that you named you have on the website. And I've heard you talk about this before that there's research to actually back this up. And I think you specifically talk about, um, a book and a study done by Dr. Crawford. Can you just tell everybody a little bit about what that is? Sure. So, uh, Dr. Crawford did a study, I believe it was a three-year study on a, um, similar type group that dealt with, uh, veterans coming back from war, some which had been wounded pretty, pretty severely and, and suffering from PTSD. And what he found was, uh, improvements in self-efficacy. So like your ability to look at something and say, yes, I can complete this or, or no, I can't is kind of a gauge on your self-efficacy. But so the improvement of that, uh, like learning a new task, like surfing, for example, uh, is far more beneficial um, to people in our communities, whether that be veteran or first responder than traditional therapy. 
So if somebody's interested in finding out a little bit more about that, is do you, did you say that, that that Dr. Crawford also wrote a book? Because we can include that in the show notes. He did. Uh, I can't think of the title of it, but um, yeah, he wrote a book and, and published his, his finding in statistics. Okay. We, we can figure that out and add that okay. later on. Awesome. So uh, tell us a little bit. You mentioned there's an upcoming trip in March. Um, how many other trips are planned for the future? And how can someone out there who's listening help to support future trips? Yeah, so we've got uh, the, the end of the month, which I, I'm assuming this will probably launch while we're out on that trip. Uh, is it a fire, firefighter trip, and um, it's a really cool story. But basically, a firefighter ran a ran a call for service, and um, there was an infant baby and a toddler, and um, their mother passed away in very tragic means, and their father uh, bore some responsibility for that. And the firefighter just felt this overwhelming calling to take care of these two children and he fostered the children for three years and then eventually adopted the two beautiful girls and and they're a big happy family and um you know his wife obviously has a a a huge part of that as well so we're taking him and a buddy um in august we have a trip planned with the kansas city kansas police athletic league we're going to take six of the pal kids and if you're not familiar with pal it's like an after school uh boxing gym and um program that they do archery and art and most importantly they, they give the kids positive things to focus on help them with their school work uh, but it's it's a program for at-risk youth and so we're taking six of those awesome kids and then a, about probably six cops as well from the area and we're teaching them both to surf together in august as a active like a bridge building healing like hey you know six inner city kids, six inner city cops. We're going to teach them a new skill together and they're going to, you know, share family style meals. And then maybe, you know, there in the future, they'll, they'll see a little bit different of one another's community than they would normally. Um, and then this winter we're looking at, uh, potentially going out to Hawaii and doing a, uh, a trip with a special operations command in, in Oahu. Wow, that's exciting. And so if somebody out there uh, may not necessarily be a first responder or somebody who may go on one of these trips, how can how can they get how can you get support financially to fund the trips? Sure. So we've got a couple of means. Uh, go to the swell swel.org and you can click and donate. You can also purchase some really cool clothing uh, or uh, click and, and buy some Bravo Zulu brew coffee. Any of those things will help us out tremendously, and 100% of the proceeds from, from that goes into the programming. Okay, and any any ideas for any fundraisers coming up that you want to share? And if you don't, that's okay, too. I always have ideas, just a matter of what the pandemic's going to do to allow us. Um, you know, there's there's I host a neighborhood golf tournament through uh, the yards of all my neighbors using foam golf balls and uh, a ton of beer and they tolerate that for me. Um, you know, we, we go down to war horses and, and host little, little galas there with, uh, executive chefs. A few weeks ago, we had, uh, a bourbon mixologist and a really cool chef out there to, to prepare some meals. Um, so we're still working on what this spring fundraiser might look like. And a lot of it has to do with whether or not we're going to do in person or not. Okay. But if somebody wants to just donate outright, they can just go to the website and there's a, a, 
a way to do that, correct? Yep. There's a there's a big donate button, theswell.org, and it'll automatically generate a tax receipt for you. We are a registered 501c3. Excellent. And so just as we're wrapping up, a, a couple other questions. The people who are the, quote, surf coaches besides yourself, are those just people who um, over the years you've gone surfing with that know how to surf and just decide to donate their time? Yeah, they're uh, just about all of them are either veterans or first responders. Uh, and so they're, again, like-minded people um, that are that are there to, to support your decompression. And um, yeah, they're buddies of mine and, and people that I've met along the way. Okay, great. And so what do you say to somebody like me? Because we've talked about this before, um, who I love the beach. I love the ocean. I feel immediately peaceful when I go. I grew up um, going there, but I also, I'm not really a big fan of going in, in the ocean, as you know, um, and I am going to try to overcome that fear in a few weeks, but, but talk to me or talk to the listeners about how to overcome that for the, for the big picture, uh, for the benefits of surfing. Uh, well, you know, I would say, first of all, what better way to go than to be food, right? Oh, geez. <laughs> no, no. That's not helpful, by the way. <laughs> Okay, so I'll put it in a first responder kind of perspective. If you can remember the first time that you made entry, whether it be an exigent circumstance or um, on a on a warrant or whatever, and you're in that stack and you just say, you know what, I'm going to give in to whatever this happens. I'm just going to, I know I need to do this and just make it happen. If you can take that mindset and to go into the ocean, um, really that that's helpful. If you just drop fear down to that, you know, to your side and, and focus on the moment, that all those other things will, will take care of themselves. So um, that's how I tend to deal with a lot of my anxiety and fears, and that would be my recommendation. Um, you know, you're significantly more likely to be injured in a car accident on the way to the beach than you are to actually get eaten by a big fish out there. Okay. Well, and I, I think that was a really good way to put it for those that are listening, because because that's that's that puts it in perspective for us. So I'll I'll still work on that, and I will try to avoid watching <laughs> YouTube videos of shark attacks before yeah. the trip. Yeah, just just don't look <laughs> at your phone if somebody sends you some some fishy looking uh, text messages. Okay, I'll try to do that. Well, um, I appreciate your time, Rob. It's I really commend you two for um, for for putting together this awesome resource and program for first responders, veterans, and other community members. Like you mentioned, the PALS program. Um, really, just it, it's very obvious that you're very passionate, um, not only just about surfing, but about helping and giving back to those that you've served alongside with another. So, thank you for what you're doing. Well, thank you for what you're doing and thanks for being a part of Swell. And I think, you know, just your your commitment to make our heroes good is, is awesome. And, and the fact that you would come back to this profession to just solely focus on that is is great. So thank you, Wendy. Oh, you're very welcome. When when somebody asked me to come teach yoga and meditation on the beach to cops and firefighters, it's kind of a no brainer for me. So I'm happy to, to be a part of it. Well, thanks, Carl, for letting her do it. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's good to go. He was invited, but he's got to watch the kids. Somebody's got to. <laughs> maybe Hawaii. Uh, so if, yes, maybe that would be awesome. So as we wrap up one more time, and we've mentioned it throughout, tell us if someone wants to find Rob Sanderson wants to find swell, give us, give us the ways we can do that. Yeah. So uh, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the swell mission. 
Um, you can email us at info at theswell.org, and that's S-W-E-L, only one L, um, or go on our, our website at theswell.org. Okay, great. Well, thanks, Rob. Anything else you want anyone to know before we sign off? No, I just, uh, everybody tune in to, to check out Wendy Surfing here and, well, I guess right now, check out our Instagram feed because there's going to be pictures of Wendy Surfing. Oh, boy. Okay, yeah, actually, this the plan is for this to air, you're right, when we're there. So, fingers crossed. <laughs> You'll do great. All right, well, thanks, Rob. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the show. The links are in the show notes for the book that we discussed and where you can find Swell, their website, and all the social media outlets. 